and welcome back to the Madness and Grace podcast. Today, I am here with Matt, as usual, and we are also joined by Dr. John Townsend, and today we're going to be discussing healthy relationships. Dr. Townsend, how are you? I'm good, Emily. How are you? Doing great. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today. I'm very excited about our uh, our guest and our topic, because this is something that we deal with at the Hope and Healing Center on a hour-to-hour basis at this point, not even a day-to-day basis. It's such a such a big issue in our country right now. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think relationships and navigating relationships, just especially in my age demographic, I feel like I see so much content on social media of friendships, romantic relationships, how there seems like there's a million different guides on how to have a healthy relationship and what that entails. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. Yeah. You know, I think you're right about in your demographic. I mean, I've noticed, you know, just from me working with people your age that I'm I'm not sure that people your age know what a healthy relationship is <laughs> uh, because they have, they oftentimes have kind of a inflated sense of the intimacy that they have in their relationships with others when they really don't have, it used to be really hard to engage and interact with people that were supposed to be your friends. And now you just shoot a text or, you know, click a like. And I think people think that that's, you know, I do know for a fact that what we're seeing is people aren't, they don't have the kind of relationships where they can sit down and discuss their issues or their problems and kind of get that out. Right. Uh, they particularly that's just really difficult to do v- through tech. So that's why I'm very excited uh, to have our guest today. So our guest today is Dr. John Townsend. He's a nationally known leadership consultant, author, and psychologist. He's written over 30 books, selling 10 million copies, including the New York Times bestseller Boundaries series. John founded and operates the Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling and the Townsend Leadership Program. Uh, Dr. Townsend travels extensively for corporate consulting, speaking events, and to help develop leaders their teams and their families. And John has a weekly call-in program himself called Dr. Townsend Live. And so welcome, John, to the to the podcast. Thanks, man. So happy to have you here. So Emily's going to kick us off. She's got a question. I'll start us out with some questions. So Dr. Townsend, could you give us your opinion on the present state of relationships in the U.S.? Um, we're looking at the research and it's not good. Uh, we're finding that there are problems in all levels of relationships from marriage to dating, to families, to parent, child, child, parent, uh, friendships, colleagues in business and people at church and across the board. Uh, we just haven't seen numbers like this. It's so it's, it's a little, um, it's a little discouraging. Does your data show any idea of why some of those might be maybe even in a particular relationship framework, like maybe the parent child or things like that? Or is there some data that suggests what's going on? I can tell you my my experiences in working with people, Matt, is um, it breaks down into four, I believe, four different types of um, issues, breakdowns. Um, The first one is people have a hard time trusting um, it's very hard to be vulnerable and feel like somebody is still for you, no matter how, you know, hurt or messy or whatever you are. And so they have trust issues and they have a hard time reaching out. Mm-hmm. The second one is that people have a hard time um, having conflict and disagreeing in relationships without fear of losing the relationship. It's sort of like if I go along to get along with you and I'm kind of your doormat, we're good. But if I have a different opinion or I want to confront something, relationship's gone. I get, you know, canceled. The third one is um, a lot of people have a lot of difficulty with embracing the imperfections of other people. And so 
if 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 you never disappoint me and you're you've got your act together, it's great. But if you show a, you know a problem or your you know, a weakness or whatever, well then sometimes the relationship falls apart. People can't have a hard time handling imperfection. And the fourth one is a lot of times people just aren't mutual with each other. There's kind of either the parent-child thing where somebody's got it all together and the other one's insecure child or, or the opposite where somebody just never feels like they're good enough. Right. And so we are seeing those in different forms and features, but it kind of comes down to those four in the patterns we're noticing. Right. Well, those are excellent. Those are kind of really a nice outline of what, you know, maybe a healthy relationship would look like. So what what are some simple things that you would or simple ways you might say to a person of how to maybe evaluate whether their relationships or a relationship was healthy? How could they best see if that relationship was healthy? Yeah. And it's a good thing to do that. And I believe I'm kind of a writer type person. I think it's good to get a legal pad and just sit down and explore the patterns because it look at the patterns of how your things are going with other people, not the, the, the events themselves. You know, there's a great proverb in the Bible that says it's a glory to a person to overlook an offense. Like, I don't want people confronting me every time, you know, I'm a goofball. I mean, I would have a bad life. But if there's a pattern, I shouldn't ignore right. that. And so don't look at the one times when somebody was, you know, cranky with you or whatever. Just look at the patterns. And if you go down that little structure of those four, the patterns would be in this relationship or these relationships. um, Do we find that we can be vulnerable and open and talk about our needs and our longings and our hurts and people are moved towards us or do they try to preach at us or leave us? The second would be, how is it when. I love somebody, I care about, they're important to me, but I disagree. And I say, I don't see it that way. And do they say, oh, give me some more feedback. I can take that. Or they say, well, who do you think you are? (laughs) The third one would be to evaluate when your imperfections show up and you're late to an appointment, or maybe you had a cranky day and you don't, and maybe at work, you didn't make your quota and and someone goes, "Uh, yeah, you'll do better. I'll help you. You know, we're all screwed up. Or they go, and I can't deal with your imperfections. And then the fourth thing would be, of course, um, does this person respect you as an adult? Now, it may be somebody that's your boss, but they still need to respect you. Or do they kind of like take the, I'm going to tell you what life should be from the top-down position, and you're the dumb little kid. And you will find when you look at those, your, uh, at any relationship we talked about in earlier in your show, uh, you'll be able to find the patterns where you go, there's some kind of things that are consistent here, and it is so helpful because now you have a map. Right. It sounds to me like, you know, and I know just from the individuals that I deal with, a lot of times it's it's it breaks down to expectations, expectations you have for yourself and expectations you have for others. And uh, do you see that, you know, these unrealistic expectations that people set up even for themselves in a relationship? Oh, my goodness. It's just an epidemic. Um <laughs> There's something about, and maybe it's a digital thing, or maybe it's how families have, or culture have done this, is that um, we go in with, like, everybody's got to be an Academy Award-winning athlete, brilliant scientist, theologian, you know, <laughs> and woefully disappointed. You know, there's an old um, little story. I think Groucho Marx made it up. He said, I would never be a member of a club that would accept me. <laughs> <laughs> now I like that right. <laughs> because we've got a level set and realize, you know, wait, a minute, I got the Bible says I got to take the beam out of my eye. 
And if I can right. do that, I can go, you know, I, I, I'll have more grace and more flexibility because I know kind of what a, you know, rat's nest I have on my head. And then I can love other people, and accept them. So it, I think the expectations come from two places. One is because we haven't done our own work. And so it's always those out there. And the other is that we know inside what we've done, but we haven't gone through forgiveness yet. So we still judge ourselves and that gets projected. Right. Well, you're well known for your boundary series of books. Um, would you speak to the importance of boundaries and healthy relationships and maybe give us a few do's and don'ts of when it comes to actually putting boundaries in place in a relationship? Sure. The first thing to remember, and this is, I mean, this is after many years of many books on boundaries. First people think people think is, oh yeah, boundaries. Yeah. I used to try the love thing and that didn't work. So I'll do the boundaries thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to put a big moat up with crocodiles in there. Those are boundaries. And I go, that, that's kind of not the idea. It's not about pulling away and, and isolating from somebody. It's, boundaries are about increasing love and their increasing relationship because boundaries increase your ability to define yourself clearly and also to be free to be truthful with someone. So the best boundaries in the world make the best relationships in the world. So let's get out of the idea that it's the castle over there. Um, and, and, and so God, God gave us that because we're, we're built so that we're, we have to be full of a thing called grace, and grace is the ingredient that we all need, but we also have to be full of truth. And grace is what a lot of us who are more, if you're more codependent, if you're more of a caretaker type, if you're more compassionate, you're very, very strong on grace. But sometimes you're not strong on truth because it's hard to confront, to disappoint people, you feel guilty and this sort of thing. So truth is sort of like that skeleton in your heart that protects that heart of grace. So that's why it's so important. That's why it says in John chapter one about Jesus' character, he says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And that's mm -hmm. the truth part. So nice. tip wise. Um, the best thing you can do when you have to have that difficult conversation, by the way, um, Henry Cloud and I wrote a book with that title, How to Have That Difficult Conversation You've Been Avoiding, because people needed some practical steps, is I'll just give you a couple of ideas. <clears throat> First thing, before you go into the conversation, don't have the conversation in the heat of battle. That is not the time to do it. Then, you know, you know, I know about amygdalas and amygdala hijacking. And if you're if you're if, if somebody's mad and they're acting like a three year old and you do the same thing, everybody's in their amygdala and nothing good happens except two kids in a sandbox throwing sand at each other. So you have a dedicated meeting and you say, can we talk when everybody's peaceful and the kids and the dogs aren't around? And you but you do your homework before that meeting, meaning what do I want? What is the problem and what do I want to happen? Don't come in saying um, you need a new personality. That's just not going to happen. Right. But when you come in saying, you know, I love our relationship. You're important to me. But there's some ways when I feel a bit judged by you when you're upset and I, I'd like for the outcome to be I'll change whatever I need to. But if you can change the tone of how you correct me, I'm OK with that. But here's how it sounds to me. And it, it's hard for me. If you go in with what you what you know is the problem and you come in with a solution, your chances of a good non-escalating, non-meltdown uh, conversation are much better. Right. I like what you say about having a plan going in place because even I'm the type of person who I struggle with anxiety and I, I want to solve the problem right now, even though I'm in the heat of the moment, I just want to get this over with. And I know a lot of people are like that, which kind of leads into my next question. How have you seen mental health problems, you know, such as anxiety, such as depression affect relationships and vice versa? Um, it's, it's huge, Emily. Yeah. Um, when, when a person, I mean, relationships are hard if you don't have those relationships are work. 
mm-hmm. because the other person, you know, you can trigger something in them or you can misunderstand each other. And then you've got to have this long talk. And when you add depression and or anxiety, look at it like a swimmer trying to go for the Olympics. And all of a sudden they've got a kidney problem. You are now handicapped in your ability to listen well, to attune to the other, to make good decisions because you don't have all of your brain because the anxiety, depression are tamping that down. And, and so you're, you're less equipped. You have less patience and you have um, less of an ability to leave yourself temporarily and attune to the other person's point of view. Because anxiety, anxiety, as you know, Emily, anxiety mm-hmm. is, a, is an emotion of control. You're always trying to control something bad out there, and it spends a lot of time in protecting. Depression mm-hmm. is when you feel like you're in mud, you have no energy, and you feel hopeless. How in the world can you leave that yourself and go and say, how are they experiencing right now? How mm-hmm. are they Am I coming across loving? Am I coming across critical? It's hard because like you've got a migraine and you're trying to have it do a speech at the same time. So it's very debilitating in relationships. You know, loneliness and isolation, they've become huge uh, problems uh, in our culture at this point. Uh, And it's really almost a buzzword now. You hear loneliness talked about so much, uh, but particularly among uh, our adolescents, our teens. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to a parent that is uh, starting to see their teen struggle with loneliness and isolation? You're right, Matt. They're huge. And any parent who's concerned about about that, especially and, and basically you won't you won't hear your 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 teen come to you and say that. Maybe a girl will more than a boy will. Boys, you know, I raise boys. We're just, there's nonverbal. But you will see it. You'll experience it and you'll see it in things like lots of time alone and crazy time on the digital world and this sort of thing. And that's a sign of that. So don't wait for them to come on and say, hey, I'm lonely. What can you do for me? You watch and you're the parent. And then you come in and engage and you say, um, you know, I've noticed this or this or this. A lot of times they'll be defensive, leave me alone. I'm a team. Because at the same time that they're lonely, they're also launching. They got two things going on in their head at once. They are, you know, God made them to be saying, mom and dad aren't the coolest people in the world. Now there's a big system out there. It's about time and leaving and cleaving and finding my social system and my faith and finding my joys and finding all that. So they're already leaving us. It's the deparenting years. At the same time, they're lonely. And so you can't say, well, you know, come back in the family huddle and we'll just do kumbaya all day. And, you know, I'll just, you know, sing songs to you because their their brain is going out toward the world that God made. So what you got to say is I'm noticing these behaviors and you got, you know, we love you. You've got three more years with you, four more years. And so I need to see that we're going to, I, I want to encourage you to get We're going to have family time. We'll always have family time. But I want to see who's some cool people that are good for you. They're healthy people. Is there a youth group or something like that? Can we go to a church that's got a good youth group? I'm a big, big believer in youth groups and churches. And um, I always tell parents, go to a church you don't like while you got teens. But if they got a great if they got a great youth group, go to that one. If they're a great church and they got a bad youth group, forget it. Go to the church that's not so great preaching, maybe, but great youth group is so much is at stake and get them get a mentor around there. And, and, and then like, that's what I do with our sons. And it said, you know, we don't know if we want to do this. And I said, well, it's not like a suggestion. I mean, we're going to go. Right. And then they got into it and made friends and all that. And if, and if you find though, that even that's not working, it's probably time to get a good Christian adolescent counselor. Right. You said something there that that's kind of interesting that I, that I've noticed a lot. Have you noticed that a lot of parents, are kind of just kind of giving up and not being parents anymore. They, you know, like you just said, we're going, yeah. but your youth says, well, I don't want to go. 
you know, well, we're going, you know, and, and I think, I, I, I mean, I've, have you seen that? I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Um, the problem is um, a word that you and I deal with in our world a lot, Matt, is called fragilization. And fragilization is when you care so much about them that you treat them like a broken China doll. And, you know, we're, we come from, you know, an, an era of like, it's all about self-esteem. Then we found out that self-esteem was a bad concept and the research didn't support it, that, you know, self-image is better. But sort of like, I don't want to discourage them. And we don't want to discourage our kids and we don't want to like control them. But that doesn't mean they're fragile unless they are, which means they need clinical help. If they're the most, most adolescents are, they've got feelings, but they're also resilient. And so you got to trust the resilience and say, I'm your dad. I'm your mom. I love you to pieces. I would do anything for you, but I got some hard things to say right now. And we're going to sit down and talk about them. That's the opposite of fragilization to so don't walk on eggshells around your kids. It doesn't make, you know what it does? It doesn't make them feel better. It makes them feel disempowered. Like, why are they so careful with me to always praise me that I went to the store and back and I didn't get on drugs in that 10 minute walk? I mean, it's not really a rocket science, but they're praising me for these crazy things that are expected. The kid feels disrespected and disempowered. Treat them like somebody who's almost an adult. Don't be mean, but be direct with them. And they feel empowered and respected. Right. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling. Well, we have a fully accredited program online where a person can get um, anything from a bachelor's to a master's to a credential to now a PhD in counseling, Matt. We're really excited about that. Wow. And we and people can also get degrees in organizational leadership or executive coaching consultant because, you know, coaching is such a big growth industry now and um, got all the bells and whistles fully online. Uh, we're at the, you know, at the cusp now where our students are out there getting great jobs and giving us feedback. And uh, we, we try to make it very relational um, because relationship, we believe that we have merged relationship and digital. So your professors care about you. Your cohort cares about you. You're going to get what you need and get the, and get the training you need. We're very excited. We've got hundreds and hundreds of students. Excellent. Well, we'll put the information uh, on how to connect with, uh, with the program uh, in the notes that go yeah. with, this, uh, with this episode. Right, Emily? Yep, for sure. And as always, if you're listening and you would like to hear Matt and I answer a question you have, you can send in questions to contact at hhci.org. Like always, we'll add in all of our Hope and Healing Center information, um, as well as the Townsend Institute. So Dr. Townsend, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Thank you.